0: Hello and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. scripture reading today is Luke 18:1 through eight. It says, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes to earth, will he find faith on earth? All right, let's pray real quick. Jesus, we um, thank you that we were able to gather back this week with our people. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come into this room right now. We pray that you come and encourage our hearts. Father, we want you to be glorified this morning. We ask that you would come and teach us more about the kingdom. Jesus, things that we don't understand, we pray that you would make clear to us. And God, some of the stuff that we don't understand, that even after today, we still won't understand Um, we pray that you would kind and still walk with us but Jesus we as a church we love you we have expectation of you coming so Jesus come in your name we pray amen all right guys we're gonna have fun today and what that typically means in preacher talk is I'm gonna have fun today (laughs) the jury's still out for you guys Um, I had this sermon planned last week, and so I normally practice my sermon the day before on Saturday. That's when me and Lindsay were like, hey, let's just take a test. (laughs) See what happens. Well, we both were positive. (laughs) Did not surprise us at all. And so I didn't practice my sermon. So this, so, and so, so basically this week, Lindsay's like, hey, will you preach again? I'm like, sure. I'm gonna go practice my sermon. It was like 30 minutes. And I was like, oh no, Christy, I'm gonna have to. We have to taper this one down. I really don't know how to, because I had fun. That's why it's thirty minutes long. And she goes, "Well, you know, you preachers, you guys don't understand that you could take something in thirty minutes and just say what you want in like three or five minutes." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you." And what's the fun in that? So you guys have a thirty-minute sermon today. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. I toned it down. Um, but today we're going to jump back into our s- series on the kingdom. Terrible, as if you were with us two weeks ago, Lindsay gave us a definition of the kingdom. And the definition that she gave is that the kingdom of God is the rule or reign of God on the earth. Um, and so basically to sum that up or to explain that a tad bit more, I want to do that before we jump into this this morning. Another way to put it, it is God's dominion or order. And to say it... it the dominion of God is something that God has control over or something that is under God's control. So being in the kingdom of God is like being in God's order. Being out of the kingdom of God is like being out of God's order. And Jesus told us all throughout the New Testament, it is good to be in God's order. Now, now the good thing about being in God's order or even what you could say his control is God doesn't take control over you, Right? He doesn't come and take control over you and say, get into my kingdom. He accepts control. And that's good news. And that's what brings a lot of blessing into the world when we enter God's order, when we enter his control. Because in God's order of things, there is no sickness So when we're able to move in the kingdom of God, we get to partner with him and pray for people and see sickness healed. There is no spiritual oppression in God's order. So when we move in the kingdom of God on earth, we are able to see people released from addictions and lies that have been held over their lives. And we get to see those things freed. There is no injustice in God's order. So we move in God's kingdom. When we move in God's order here on earth, we get to see justice. There's no one out of relationship with God in God's order. So when we move in the kingdom of God, we get to see people come alive and renewed in relationship with Jesus. And that's why it's easy to see why Jesus would say the gospel of the kingdom of God is good news. It's great news. And Jesus gave us the greatest working definition of the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, verse 10. He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And if you guys know anything about Hebrew poetry, um, typically in Hebrew poetry, the second line, that second sentence always explains the first sentence. And so your will be done on earth as it is in heaven explains the prayer, your kingdom come. Um, And just for fun, the verses after that that says, give us this day our daily bread... In the original Hebrew, that's really important because um, here's the deal. They're looking at that. They had no clue how to interpret it because they didn't have a lens for what they were seeing in the Hebrew. So it's interpreted that way. But the way it literally means in the Hebrew is give us today, tomorrow's bread. And what we know is at the end of this age, when Jesus comes back, he's going to set his rule and reign, his kingdom in fullness on this earth where there will be no uh, suffering or anything like that. And so that just goes on to say, we're asking for God today for something that will come in its fullness tomorrow. Um, And so to pray the kingdom to come is to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is as a reality in heaven. So there's no sickness or present injustice or people out of relationship with God in heaven. So when we move in the kingdom of God, That's what we get to see, and that's a great thing for you to learn how to pray kingdom prayers. It's like, what would it look like for heaven to come to this situation? Okay, I'm going to pray that way. And now there's topics I just mentioned. Don't even begin to scratch the surface of what the kingdom of God looks like. In God's kingdom, everyone has value, everyone has worth, and everyone is significant. It's a culture in which your enemies are loved and cared for, where the orphans, the widows, the poor, and the marginalized are provided for. In the kingdom, God has divine design for businesses and corporations, for schools to live out purpose, to bless communities and whole lives. The kingdom of God is is expansive, and it's beyond all that we have ever experienced. It's about partnering with God and seeing the kingdom advance to people, places and cities where the fall and the enemy had dominion or destroying. It's about seeing the culture of heaven invade earth and that doesn't just happen by these large campaigns that we as churches do, but it happens when you and I carry this kingdom in our everyday ordinary lives. That's how we advance God's kingdom. The world is not impressed or changed by a church that's looking to expand its brand into the community, but it is impressed by a church that's living out these kingdom values the loving your enemy, caring for the widow, caring for the poor in our everyday ordinary lives. A church that isn't looking to be successful, but just one that's looking to be faithful for the commission God's given us and extending his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven right now. And it's this message when I came to the vineyard that captivated my heart about seven years ago, that the gospel of the kingdom of God is just not about going to heaven and hell when you die. The gospel of the kingdom of God is about coming alive in God's presence and bringing life to everyone, every day, everywhere. Let me say that again. It's about coming alive in God's presence and bringing life to everyone, every day, everywhere. And this is God's will for us, for you and I. It is your spiritual inheritance that Jesus provided for you to enter into. Because Jesus says in Luke 12, 32, don't be afraid, little flock, because the Father delights to give you the kingdom. And our goal as pastors is that we get so captivated by this King Jesus and his kingdom message that we lay our lives down to follow him so that no place you and I go is safe from the kingdom of God breaking through. That we're the fallen man and the disorder of the kingdom of darkness has reigned. We're coming in with the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven, looking for breakthrough for everyone, every day, everywhere. Because we are fully alive people who have been given the authority and commission to extend God's kingdom, his rule and reign, his order to the ends of the earth. And we're just a group of about a church of 200 people that are just trying to be faithful to that end. Now, I want to say real quick, this doesn't happen by forcing people to live our values or to live our order. I think we have to say that because Jesus never forced people to do that. Uh, With our current culture, I just think that's important to say. But it comes when we just exude those kingdom values in our everyday, ordinary lives. So, when we come to the the parable today, why is it important? Why is that important to the life I mentioned above? Why did Jesus feel the need to tell this parable to his disciples? And before we read that again and we go through it in Luke 18, in Luke 16 and 17, Jesus is having a really hard time. Um, and his disciples are, in the midst of speaking to religious people of their day. And let me say this, speaking to religious people is never easy. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had the pleasure. I've had the pleasure of talking and being one. Um, I know it's not easy because when you talk to really religious people, they typically ask you questions to just tell you what they think and what you should think. That's what Jesus was experiencing Religion and people controlled by it are just a tomb of death. And so these guys were fighting against death for about two chapters. Um, And people under the burden of religion are controlled by the rule and reign and customs of men, not God's kingdom. And that just wasn't the only thing going on, but Jesus was telling them of his death and the hardship to come. He was saying, hey, those who find life will just give up their life. And those who give up life will find life. That's not a very inspiring message, Jesus. Like, help me. And so Jesus saw, looked at his disciples and said, I've been walking around proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom. We've ran into hardships. What is it that they need to know about the kingdom? And this is what we come to today. Um, More so than it's a parable about prayer, I think it's more of a teaching about not giving up in the midst of kingdom work. And so in verse one, he says, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Now guys, this is a blessing. I don't know if you know this, if you've read the parables all that much, but you never get the meaning before you read. And in fact, if you read them, you're even more confused after you read them, like, what is this, Jesus? You have to think really hard, and my mind is still being made up about a ton of them. You never just get this, here you go, Guys, enjoy this today. We don't have to work hard today. We know this is a parable to always pray and not give up. And then in verse 2, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, Or respect people. Now, notice, Jesus tells us twice the judge is unwilling and doesn't respect people. He's not a merciful or good judge by any means, right? He's not. And then in verse 5, Yet, because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust says. Uh, What did he say? I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistence. Not because of my love for her, not because of any goodness that I have. I just want to get rid of this lady. Here you go. And then Jesus, now, he turns to reality. He goes, "...will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth?" Jesus is contrasting the unjust judge to God, a God who isn't moved because we annoy him persistently, but a God who is moved by his sons and daughters that he loves and who are persistent in crying out to him, so much that Jesus says he will grant them justice, justice swiftly. And then Jesus ends the passage with a question, which I think is more of a challenge. Will he find the people who are so moved by the mercy and love of God that they will never give up and are praying to him persistently? When he comes back again. Now there's so much here and so much that we could talk about today. But I want to zero in on this little, little sentence by Jesus. I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Right? And let me tell you guys, I have seen God move. I have seen God move in miraculous ways. I have prayed for the sick and seen them healed. I have seen people in financial struggles get quickly provided for. I have seen justice come to the marginalized, prayers answered. People I never thought would come to faith come to faith. And I believe as a church, God is leading leading us into a time in which we see these things more often. But I don't know about you, I have seemingly also not experienced God grant justice swiftly. There, is, is there any hands in here? I definitely have not. Honestly, whenever you read that, it's like, come on, Jesus. You're lying to me. All right, you're getting my hopes up just to let me down. Um, and let me say this. I've prayed for the sick many a times and not seen them healed. I've asked for help and financial struggle and still struggled. Have you continuing to see people taken advantage of and marginalized in places I thought would never happen. I have not seen, I have seen a lot of the not yet of the kingdom of God in my life. And honestly, sometimes it seems like it'd be a little bit easier to go to that unjust judge. Like the only thing I have to do is be annoying. Like Lindsay knows, he works with me every single day. I'm great at that. I can move and this unjust judge seems like no problem at all. That's all I have to do. But then, God, you all loving, you are loving, but you're also sovereign, and I don't know if I can change your mind all the time. I don't know if I can make you move all the time, because sometimes in my life, it seems like I just can't. It seems like you're disinterested in what's going on in my life and the world, and this parable is dealing with that, um, that's why Jesus asks the question at the end. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's saying, hey, I'll grant justice swiftly, but how long can you wait? How long can you persist? Because delivery times will vary. It's like getting a package around Christmas from Amazon, guys. And sometimes my, my next pass package from Christmas is going to arrive February the 12th, it says right now. <laughs> My wife is getting a late present. Um, and can you, in the midst of the tension, not give up? That's the meaning of the, par- the parable. That's the teaching. Now, there are other teachings on how to get breakthrough with God. This isn't one of them. Um, that is not, it's a teaching on how to not give up. And how do we not give up? According to this parable, is to realize that God is not evil, it is to realize He is good. Which is the fight of persistence. sometimes you will need God to come through to you, and it'll seem like God says no, And the proper thing to do is to stick with God anyway. Because even when it seems like it's not working in all world, Jesus make it seems like it is working somehow. It's still working. The foundational teaching about the kingdom of God that you and I need to settle in our heart if we're to fully enter the kingdom of God as fully alive people is that you must never give up and continue to persist in prayer because God is good and it's working out somehow, even if you don't see it. There will be triumphs and disappointments, but you must not let the disappointment disciple your faith and what you believe about God. Because if I'm honest with you guys, I've seen the miraculous stuff. I've seen God do amazing things in a moment. I've seen him provide. I've seen all those things. But it's the disappointments that disciple my faith more. It's the things I haven't seen that disciples my heart more. And Jesus is saying, never let the not yet of the kingdom destroy your faith and expectation for breakthrough of the already. Because if you give up, you definitely won't see breakthrough. Right? Right? And there are a few examples of this in our time. Uh, last week, because I was going to preach this last week, Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And what we know, Martin Luther King Jr. did great things for racial reconciliation, and he did great things for um, civil unrest and, and civil justice and things like that. And Martin Luther King, in this famous I Dream uh, Basically, Sermon says this I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low, that the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. Now, let me just say this The things that are out of order will be put back in order. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope, and this is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood, the things out of order coming in order. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Uh, Martin Luther King had a beautiful view of the kingdom of God. And every time he talked about reconciliation, that's what he was talking about. He has so been entrenched with this vision of the kingdom that he just went all out, guys. Um, And what we know is that that ultimately cost him his life. And Martin Luther King's life, he didn't get to see what we've seen, what that work has continued to do today. He probably saw little amounts of breakthrough and needed a lot of perseverance and persistence. And what we know from the Bible, if you get someone who never gives up, what do you do with them? The disciples were all martyred completely. And how do you get someone who is such a kingdom of vision that's extending the kingdom of God on earth? You kind of take them out. Jesus said the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, but it's also suffering violence. Right? So there's a battle in our world. It's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. And while it's forcefully advancing, it's being violently attacked. Um, so how did Martin Luther King persist? Well, if you read about his life, before he would go to a rally, he would go there a day before and he would spend all day in his room alone, down on his knees in prayer. The week that he died, the next week, he was going to hold uh, this huge rally um, for uh, civil justice and for civil rights in Washington, D.C., and that week before he died, he rented a room at Thomas Merton's Abbey in Kentucky just to be able to sit with God and pray. What helped him not give up was persisting in prayer. It's one of the ways to not give up. When, when someone's kind of walking away from the faith, the first question I ask the di- to diagnose where that is, are you still praying? Are you still praying to God? And then we have another example, and that's the founder of the vineyard, John Wimber. Um, John Wimber um, has a story of his church started leaning in and praying for healing. They prayed for a whole year. He preached it for a whole year, and they saw no one healed. People were becoming disillusioned, and they were wondering, does this even work? And then one day he was called to a hospital to pray for this lady who didn't even go to his church, this guy just knew that they were praying for stuff like that. And he comes in, uh, completely is aware nothing's going to happen. He's going to lay hands on this girl, and she's still going to be sick because that has been his experience. Um, and since his church has been leaning into it for a whole years, so he lays hands, he prays one of those, ah, Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus to be here, blah, blah, blah. You know, He's just like, whatever, I never see this stuff. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, what? And she's like, I'm healed. And he's like... No, you're not. <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'm no like, I'm healed." And she goes, and he's like, "Are you sure? Because this hasn't worked for a whole year." And she and she's like, "Yes." And the story is, he quickly says, "Awesome!" And he leaves. He walks out to his car. He gets in his car, and he goes, "We got one, Jesus. We persist. We got. We finally got one." And then, in John Wimber's life, that just grew into the vineyard movement today. But here's the thing about John Wimber's life, why life, that's never told. He struggled with his weight constantly and the health effects of his weight. Um, Even before this happened and when the vineyard started to take off, before it became an international movement, he had a heart attack and he was diagnosed with cancer in his sinuses and had to get radiation treatment. And then not only that, after all that happened and the cancer uh, wasn't regressing and there was no more cancer, God launched him to go internationally. So he went all over the world, seeing the stuff happen, seeing people delivered, seeing God provide in miraculous ways to people, equipping the saints and healing and all these things. But he still struggled with sickness himself. John Wimber, at one point after that, towards the end of his life, um, he had a stroke Not only did he have a stroke, he then got cancer again. And how John Wimber died, he was getting up for church one morning, body frail from everything he was going through. And he fell down on the ground. They thought he was fine, but he had a hemorrhage in his head, and he died. So John Wimber, through all of this, all the miraculous he's seen, never saw it for himself. And that's the persistence and struggle, right? How do we keep on going? When I can pray for someone else, but I can't be blessed, seemingly be blessed. How do we persist? And John Wimber talked about during the midst of all that, he sat down one day and had to be like, Jesus, am I really going to keep on doing this? Do I really believe this? And then he's reminded the kingdom is just as much about the kingdom coming, but the kingdom is also about suffering. And he says, well, then I must persist. I have to keep on going. I have to keep on equipping the saints to walk with God in these ways. And so, can we persist? In the midst of all the beautiful things about the kingdom of God, can we power through the disappointments and persist anyways, as if God is working no matter what? And we have to settle that in ourselves. The kingdom of God, we have to settle this value. We can't ever give up. You can't ever give up. And giving up, guys, I want to say real quick before we jump into say a lot. It doesn't look like just walking away from the faith. Um, this is something Jesus showed me two weeks ago, and I had to repent all week because I was like, oh, no. I was like, Jesus, this is good stuff. This, I'm going to say some good stuff, but oh, no, I, this is me. This is so me. And Giving up often just looks like um, stopping because of disappointment. You keep on coming to church, you keep on saying prayers, but it affects your expectation of God breaking through. Um, So it often looks like disappointment. It often looks like delay. It often looks like, well, I haven't seen it, so uh, Jesus, I'll get back into that one day, but not right now. And guys, if Satan can't make you give up on Jesus, he just makes you delay entering purpose. Because in the kingdom, the kingdom is all about purpose. And also, giving up doesn't necessarily look like walking away from Jesus. It looks like fatalism, which looks like, honestly, like this. It's like, well, God wills or he won't. You know, here's one prayer, Jesus. He will or he won't, but I'm just going to trust you with it, Jesus. We're never going to talk about it again. Uh, when Jesus is like, no, persist. Act like your persistence works. Act like you're coming to me every single day and I'm gonna break through. Keep on persisting in the faith. And so as we end, the band can come up. Um, I want us to do a practice because here's the deal. You may be like, no, disappointment has held me back. No, I have delayed purpose in my life or you know, I'm just not really persisting. I'm just really not pursuing in this phase. And the one thing I wanna say to you is you can enter back into the kingdom today. Jesus isn't going to hold anything against you. The call is just to come. And so today, we're going to do a practice we did the last time I preached. And so I'm going to give you guys a minute and what you're going to do. And, and like we like to do around here, we just like to align our bodies with what we're doing. And so I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds to a minute. We're just going to put our hands down. And we're going to say, Jesus, we give you our disappointment we give you those things that haven't allowed us to enter back in um, to your kingdom. And we're going to give you those things. And then after that, I'm just going to bless you. And we're going to open up our hands like this, and I'm going to bless you. And then we're going to worship. up. Uh, we'll, we will have prayer in the back. But also, if you listen to the kingdom message today, and you're like, I didn't know I get to do that stuff. That's new to me. I didn't know I get to pray for people in those ways. Go join the prayer team today. Just go send them back, and people come pray for them, you know? I don't know, get started somehow. Um, um, just, just, just do it. Um, and during the time of blessing, receive the blessing. Because it's going to just be a time we just commission you back out again in the name of Jesus um, to bring the kingdom to our community. Can you guys imagine what it would look like if a church of about 200 people went all in on the kingdom in Springbrook? Can you imagine how heaven would break through? Can you imagine what it would look like? I think we're going to see glimpses and breakthroughs of that when we as a people start moving into those ways. So, hey, stand to your feet. Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to a minute. If there's anything that's hindering you going back all in to the kingdom, hindering you going going all in with Jesus, um, I'm just going to ask you to posture your hands down and give it to him. So take some time.